Spend some time with an ag engineer and the conversation can cover a lot of territory. And this week, we do. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. John Fulton is an extension ag engineer with Ohio State University. Widely respected, Fulton is involved in a range of practical application research for ag technology. We caught up with John recently beside a combine in Ohio, hence some wind noise, to talk ag tech, 5G, and we even touch on right to repair. Let's see what he has to say. Well, John, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Yeah, thanks, Willie, for having me. So one of the areas that I've written about over the years, and you and I have talked about over different meetings and, and events, is just the amount of information we're gathering on the farm. You know, we used to just take a yield map, and some guys called them landlord maps, and they were pretty and they were full of colors. But I can, I'm capturing a lot of information today. How much information is a, does a farmer know how much information he's gathering? Well, I, when we let's start just with the modern machines today, we're talking tractors, uh, combines, harvesters, cotton harvesters, and, and now sprayers. Let's just not forget they're coming from the factory that are they have connection capabilities. And most of the cases they're already turned on because for for the manufacturers to track and, and make sure they're getting delivered where they want. But at the same time, it gives the capacity of growers. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, I, I, we shouldn't say they're free, but we're kind of moving into the era where connected machines are just connected. Okay, as a mm-hmm. as a, an owner or if I'm leasing it's there for, for me, the, the farmer, to, to decide how I want to utilize that technology today. So uh, as far as how much, uh, I always refer people back to just a few years ago when we ran uh, just a, a test. We talk about data, and everyone thinks different things about right. farm data. We just took a 100-acre field, and we collected every bit of piece of data that was that farmer was commercially obtaining on that field and ended up with uh, over a petabyte of data. <laughs> so we put that in uh, put, put petabyte <laughs> in perspective for somebody who maybe doesn't work in data all the time. Yeah, yeah. So so I think most of us would be familiar with what a terabyte is right. today. I mean, that's a pretty common thing if you're buying a computer or storage and things like that. A petabyte is is basically a thousand terabytes, and then we're talking one growing season, everything from our precision ag data to the remote sensing data that the farmers might have access to or purchasing to scouting data that's digital today that scouting is, is capturing as they, they go through fields. Um, is that something that all farmers are collecting? I, I, I don't want to sit here and say that everyone's collecting a petabyte, you know, or two petabytes per 100-acre field. But my point is there's a large volume of data that can be collected today and, and a lot of it companies are offering technology including machines that are connected to the internet that allows that to happen the nice thing about it is that i don't actually have to have two petabytes of storage on the farm <laughs> it'll go to the cloud and i can look at it there which has been a great deal but that brings up another point can i get to the cloud from the country yeah and and and, and so rural broadband continues to the hinder the countryside uh, not only in agriculture but did you think about education i always bring that up uh but uh we you know, as a country, continue to, to discuss that. We know the FCC has been actively talking about how this can come to, to basically fill in the gap. Because to your point, I mean, in the technology world, we're talking about 5G today. And where we're standing today, we don't have 5G. 
we best we can do is 4G. And so accessibility, just a new technology, 5G being a game changer in my book as we think about all the data that's being used by just consumers, but now ag and the volume of that data that, like I mentioned. Uh, but so hopefully we'll, you know, in the near future with private companies uh, in conjunction with our, our federal government, or we'll be able to put something in play to basically enable real broadband around. But the point of that is I could be spending a million dollars on equipment today that have Internet connectivity. Most of that cellular is what's, what they're coming with. Um, and I, I can't take advantage of it because it's just, you know, um, no coverage. You know, I don't have full coverage. I might have it at my farm shop or my house, and I always got to go there to, to do searches or find a place on the farm to use my, my, my phone. Um, but uh, we hopefully in the near future, I, I personally am an, am an advocate that if we can get rural broadband solved in the United States, it's really going to change the agriculture landscape immediately when it comes on. So when we talk about that, though, I was at a presentation a couple of years ago and we got into a discussion about 5G suddenly became the new shiny thing. Uh, we hadn't finished putting out 4G to get coverage. Would you have been happier if we'd have finished 4G before we moved to 5G or is 5G that much of a step change? Uh, 5G in my book, because of what we're talking about, uh, videos and, and, and well, you say, well, we're not collecting that level of data in farming. But I, I just remind everyone, just a couple years ago, we had our technology companies redo their file formats so they can collect more data on a machine and get that communicated. So we, we're not that well as far behind. Yeah, we may not be collecting what, you know, as a kid, I'm trying to take a video and send to my buddy or whatever. But we're, we're getting there pretty quick. I mean, imagery's big. Yeah. Imagery's huge. Um, we're talking about terabytes. That can be not gigabytes, but terabytes, you know, yeah. volume in a short period of time. Uh, so I think when we think about having the bandwidth, having the capabilities, and that I can be doing that and on, you know, on the Internet doing business at the same time, I can be doing all that at the same time on 5G. You know, we've moved out of the 3G where, you know, if I was on a, you know, transferring data and got on a call, that stopped. Yeah. You know, we're, we're hopefully moving. You know, something else I want to bring up that it's all of a sudden becoming an issue is we're decommissioning 3G. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because <laughs> 3G, uh, T-Mobile announced they were cutting theirs off and AT&T is cutting theirs off in 2022, right? Yep, yep. And so you say, well, that's not a big deal. And I'm like, well, how many how many of your farm trucks, if not machine, machinery is, is 3G? I know my truck is, is a 2018, and I just got my note as of in January 2022. I will not be able to have my connectivity in my machine in my truck. It's 3G, and they don't have any plans of, of giving me a 4G option. Well, they do have a 4G option. It's a new truck, John. <laughs> it's how this works. It's like, I'm sorry, John, we can't fix your 3G, but we've got a brand new $65,000 pickup waiting for you. Come on down. Well, And actually, they don't because there are no chips. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> a, they got the truck, but they don't have the technology to put in the truck. So, you know, um, you can see the truck sitting in the, in the yards, but they don't have the technology. Yeah, but right. it's, it's your point. You're right. Um, so not only are we dealing with trying to get connectivity in rural brand, what I think the, the farming industry, you, we, you know, we talk about our, our technology companies. That includes some of our OEMs have been hard at getting technology in farmers' hands. That's been fairly standard, connectivity being part of that solution. And now a lot of that technology was all built on the 3G platforms, and 
farmers are going to be frustrated and be, be aware that that even i got my new machine it could be a 2021 machine it still could have 3g technology in it might be the first question you ask before you write the check i i would be encouraged if i'm a, a technology or if i'm really integrated on the precision ag front and collecting data and using that to inform my prescriptions and other uh, aspects of my farm operation as you see some of these cloud platforms uh, come out I would be asking uh, what the cellular connectivity you know is it 3g 4g is a 4g 5g cap- capabilities yeah. uh, very quickly because I'd hate to see someone get a 21 if not a 2022 machine and in 2022 be shut off um, I think people are looking out but at the same time we're short on chips we're getting things off the shelves right now. I mean, wherever, you know, if it's on the shelf, it's getting put in a machine somewhere probably. Uh, but it's a good question these days to ask that. So you brought up something else, and, and it's something I haven't talked to very many people about. But I was on a call recently, well, this week, uh, New Holland uh, introduced a new tractor. A lot more about their intelligent, uh, precision land management, IntelliView, intelligent concept. Um, one area is their control room. They're taking, and every manufacturer is doing this now. They're, the machine data is something you just let go because it's not private. It's not that big a deal. But there's a lot of machine data being done and analyzed, and now we're getting these. Um, your dealer may call you and say, we're seeing an error code, or we've seen other machines of this type with this error code. Do you want to, When you have a chance, do you want us to come check it out and see if you're having that failure? What do you see about that kind of predictive maintenance? We, we always, we've talked about it for years, but is it becoming a reality? It definitely, the predictive maintenance, it's just not tracking type maintenance. So uh, uh, when I say tracking, uh, a very common solution is I'm just tracking hours on the machine. Hey, it's, it's, it's going to hit five. 500 and I'm making that text or I'm making that call to the farmer saying, hey, you're getting close to that 500. You want us to come out. And a lot of times I can even automate that, right? It's in 500 and they're going to call and say, we're going to be out. You know, what's your downtime? So I think we're getting into the predictive, you know, to your point, uh, to be aware of. uh, We talk about artificial intelligence. That that kind of puts a lot of us in a spin. Like, well, what's that mean? Uh, But you look at even the, the modern combines, regardless of manufacturer, has artificial intelligence now embedded into it. Uh, I say all that is now we got all that, uh, but that brings in artificial intelligence is the enabling piece to some of this predict right. predicted type stuff, and so um, it's it's coming. We're connected. I always talk about uh, today as as humans, regardless of how old you are in this farming business or, or right. support. I don't care if I walk in a room and we got the twenty year old kid sitting there to the you know eighty plus year old. They all have something in common. They got a smartphone, an iPad in front of them, and and data suggest. I mean, our surveys, yep. your surveys, would yep. probably say that. Same I mean, the same thing. So we're connected. The people are connected. We've built machines now that are connected, and but we also are hampered because of the rural connectivity that we were talking about. Uh, but my point is, we are continuing this movement. Once we are connected, uh, I think the predictability things are kind of here. Uh, they're starting to be rolled out, uh, but definitely in the near future, it's going to play a bigger, significant role in things like serviceability, getting data where it needs to be. So I can go from I got a uh, my my yield map that's getting sent over to my retailer to get my fertilizer map, so they can come right in behind my fall harvest and get my fertilizer plan, you know, applied. So there's an area I'm going to enter, and we can cut this out if you're uncomfortable. 
but it's coming up. There's an executive order on competitiveness that was launched two weeks ago or three weeks ago by the Biden administration, and there's a whole section in there on right to repair. How do you look at right to repair, and how do we explain this in a way that – because there are a lot of farmers that feel like they're cut out of the conversation. How do you look at that concept? Well, it, it's a tough discussion. Yes. I'll be real straight with you, and it's a tough discussion for, for, for me to sit here and talk about it. The thing is, I think, is, you know, you and I grew up, Willie, is we could fix anything. It was more of a mechanical piece, and we could fix it. I, I bet, though, if we go back in time, in early days, we had to have specialized people to keep machines running. I mean, because we didn't have either the tools and, and shops set up to, to, to go, I'll say, from the horses to the, the tractors mm-hmm. and ultimately the full-fledged threshing machines. So let's remember, we're working through that. Um the the thing I would say about it is, as a as a grower, we get into that is I want to be able to repair it. I think there's probably should be some rights there for sure because uh, last thing I want to do is be in the middle of planting and something go down and I'm waiting two weeks on a on a software update, whatever that might be. And I don't know that that's happening. Same thing for harvest. But I want to remind everyone where we've come from is we have opened up and I can collect a lot more data on the machines as it relates to the machine data that agronomy data and i can move that off the machine into the cloud platforms and choose to use that as as information for myself hopefully down the road but the biggest thing is is there's the right to repair but there's also the responsibility of the manufacturer to have a machine that runs and operates safely for the operator at hand and the last thing is is you know we talk a lot about the growth of can bus yeah and embedded of that in the machine and that becomes the basically the communication for everything that operates from sensors to the transmission to the engine and it all ties in we want to make sure that we don't have a scenario where someone plugs into that and rewrites something on that in unintentionally and all of a sudden you have a safety issue and I've personally I have observed some of that where people think, well, I'm just going to kind of reverse engineer and, and, and plug in and, and send my own can messages to control or collect things. And next thing you're going across the and, and I can't keep on my guidance line because I've re, you know, messed up either a feedback to the basically the system trying to, to, to the algorithms controlling the machine. Uh, so it's got wrong errors in yeah. the data to that and to me i think we just need to keep that at the forefront that that the right now to, to keep that and keep that machine running safely that that's right now on the oem most likely shoulders and i don't want to and, and so there's got to be some proprietary you know room mm-hmm. there to allow them i got to get firmware or i got an issue and i need to fix that because if we let everyone you know start writing on that can bus and having that then they can't help they can't help in that scenario there's a lot of i mean it's a it's a very challenging issue um i i think the big thing is if i get an error code i need to know what that code is and then it can tell me whether i can fix it i mean if it's just a sensor that i can bolt off and bolt a new one on and it's simple and i just said but that's the debate and the discussion and every manufacturer is dealing with it but it's a good insight and i appreciate that john it's been great talking to you i want to mention that john is joining me later this month on farm progress 365 and we're talking combines prep and some preparation you need to make sure you're making for the 2021 harvest season again john fulton thanks very much for joining me oh thanks willie always enjoy it 
We connected with John Fulton because he's helping us with the next installment of Farm Progress 365, where we will be discussing harvest prep and some important, timely insights about how the pandemic is changing that process. That will be available August 24th, and you can register today to be notified when this virtual event happens. And it will include a live question and answer session where you can quiz John. To register, just visit bit.ly forward slash fp365. Again, bit.ly forward slash fp365. That'll give you a registration page, and that will keep you notified of all the things going on at Farm Progress 365, including upcoming things from the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. And I want to thank John for his help this week and his insights for this podcast. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer, and Feedstuffs, and the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. And those two shows are back and they're live. Mark your calendar for August 31st, September 1st, and 2nd for the Farm Progress Show and September 14th through 16th for Husker Harvest Days. You can buy advanced tickets at either show site, farmprogressshow.com or huskerharvestdays.com. You can save on admission, and if you print the ticket out and have it in hand when you get to the show, you'll get through the gates faster. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.